Good evening and welcome to episode 19. We're at Jim Bobcast. I'm pretty fucked off. And I'm Bob. Why are you fucked off? Is it football? It is actually a lot of things at the moment, but like Arsenal have done nothing in the last week to improve my uh, my mood. I'm, In fact, actually, they've done a hell of a lot of things to help condition me into the mindset of fuckery. So, um... But we have some good news, James. Good news this week. Obviously, Boris has announced his roadmap to opening the country, which means pub gardens open from the 12th of April, the pubs themselves open from the 17th of May. It means that Arsenal's Arsenal's last home game versus Brighton can have 10,000 fans and we can all enjoy the Euros in a restriction-free environment. That is positive news, don't you think, James? Uh, yes, if we stay to plan, which I don't think we've seen any mandate stay to date plan yet. So um... no, I mean it's, and I think the way they've come out and uh, talked about it, and they've been very open, and probably for the first time in this whole pandemic, actually shot to the line, you know, with what they're going to do and what they're going to say. And I, I thought it was, I thought it's a really positive thing, you know. There's things to look forward to. You know, there's things we need to do to get there as a country, you know, as a human race. And if we all follow the rules a little bit now, it, it's the last, it's the hardest yard, this one. But we can get there. Don't you agree? No, I do. I do agree with that. You know, there must be light at the end of the tunnel. I think, obviously, one thing that, you know, they do deserve quite a lot of credit for is, I mean, there's only Israel and United Arab Emirates, funnily enough, who have a more successful vaccination program in play at the moment. And yeah, and well, I mean, obviously with a lot less people, but obviously percentages are percentages. You know, I, th- I think the vaccination, my mum's getting uh, vaccined on Thursday, which means just me and my good lady wife that are the only members of my household or my family that have not yet uh, received the jab, which is brilliant news because I think we'll be fine. It's not, we're quite good. You know, I was, I've obviously been worried about them. But the, 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 the level of vaccines that are being dished out now is is quite fantastic. Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think the country have done very well with that. So it does give the underlying mindset maybe that this rollout has quite a lot of credence. And, you know, I think we'll see a reaction to the mass return to school, which I think is massive news. I think there's probably parents around the country that are about to vote Conservative that weren't a week ago. <laughs> so, yeah, look, we will um, we will see, but I wish them well. I, I don't, you know, on that subject quickly, which actually takes us into FOTW quite nicely. Oh, there's a few points that are going to take us from this into FOTW in a second, James. One we had a very good discussion about. Yeah. But, yeah, you carry on with what you're saying about Boris. Sorry, pal. But, you know, fundamentally, he has been the um, number one probably on the trending list for a long, long time of um, the keyboard warriors who have uh, just goaded him about how he's managed the country. And I think there are some elements that are out of his control, sometimes with border control and things like that, where the actual number of live cases that the country had were was, was probably way beyond what it should have been. You know, actually, you know, if you ask anyone in the country for the money that he's actually paid in comparison to to other people, I I wouldn't want his job, you know. 
I mean, if you compare the money, I'd like to see this, actually. How much Boris Johnson earns compared to Jermaine Genus would be a fantastic comparison. Maybe we'll get the stats out on that next week. Well, he earns the same money a year as Willian earns a week. For fuck's sake. Well, there you go. Uh, that, that, sums it, that sums it all up in the great words of Martin Tyler. I haven't said that for a few weeks. But fuck of the weeks is what we're going to come on to in a minute. But i tell you a candidate for fuck of the week. We both watched it on Monday night when he did his press conference. I believe it was the Daily Mail journalists. His name was Jason, I believe. Yes, it. They open up. And he turns around with something like, well, where's this buccaneer in Boris that we saw in the last election? You know, you're a bit more of a doomster now. And and it spurred me to think the the, the journalism in these uh, number 10 press conferences is fucking shambolic. Imagine, and I said that to you, Mourinho and Klopp would have none of this level of journalism. They don't. They would just eviscerate them on the spot. They would say, what are you doing asking me these questions? And I, I jokingly said to you, I said, fucking Fergie, old Alex Ferguson, have he got asked some of these questions? I mean, he would fucking shoot them dead on the spot. He would have them killed. If you ask Fergus some some of these questions, I mean, he famously didn't talk to the BBC for somewhat near two seasons because of the comments they made. And he actually called Gary Lineker a cunt to his face. (laughs) I've dropped the C-bomb, but I was quoting. (laughs) I mean, it it was absolutely shambolic. I can't... I mean, I was shocked actually and I thought he actually handled it quite well in the end because you know because he said the right things that it's not a time to be buccaneering when you're playing with people's lives which is still very much the case in point here so the bloke's just got his two minutes of fame and just wants to be remembered for being a complete dickwad, you know? Yeah, so there was, a, there was another one that, that questioned Patrick Valance and said about what, you know, the, the things we have to do, like wearing a mask and things like that. And I can't quote him, I can't remember, but Patrick Valance goes, well, we don't really know on masks yet because we haven't seen any data. But he goes, I would expect everyone would still wash their hands because that's just good hygiene. <laughs> It's like, what the hell are you talking? You know, these are the people that actually are the public's voice versus the establishment. And if the people that are the public's voice cannot ask the correct questions, then they're fucking dog shit, the journalisms. I do have to say that one of the worst things out of this pandemic has been the quality of the journalism. And that's probably why we don't have the answers. You know, I think the best journalism I've seen in the whole of this fucking pandemic, I'm not going to say Piers Morgan, I'm going to say it's been the one show because they've been brilliant at explaining it to the layman. Uh, But no, anyway, it is that time again. It is the light at the end of the tunnel. The fuck of the week, James. Here we go. And it's a serious one this week, isn't it? It is, and it's not um, a particular individual. It's probably putting a host of unknowns into a box, but... It's been happening more and more recently, and then it's been continuing to be stepping up. But for all those people on the social media mediums, behind Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Tinder, Grinder, Finder, Linder, fucking put it in a grippler. I mean, whatever it is, you know, people who are cowardly using either fake domains, avatars, profiles to torment real human beings, whether it be sexually, racially, a form of bullying, 
you know, it's just absolutely outrageous. And this tirade has to stop. And a very near second, actually, in my opinion, our forefuck of the week is the CEOs, chairmans and board members of these mediums who, who, in my opinion, continue to do very little. It's not seen what work they are doing. Do you know what I mean? So in order to, you know, have some level of, serious compliance in order to prevent these things um, coming into uh, said networks. And, you know, a lot of people like the allure of the fact that they can engage with celebrities, whether it's indirectly or not. But when, you know, they get sense of, you know, individual healing maybe from whether it be a Piers Morgan, a Gemma Collins, or a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's opinion on a on a matter, and you know we've never been, we weren't privy to this, you and I, growing up, because we were of an age where it's happened later in life. Indeed, you know, if we were bullied, it was by the bloke in the playground, and and at least at that moment in time, you had a chance to clump him back. Well, and you know, and it's it's a little bit more. It's 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 so much less cowardly when someone has to physically you know, face that particular moment where they want to suppress someone to bullying in a visual sense because that comes with known actions. These people don't have profiles. They're alter egos. They are a series of letters and numbers, which is not obviously what's written on their passport. So... um, It's it's just over a year on from Caroline Flack's death to suicide where Be Kind and all of that was really put out in the media... Um, and probably due to the pandemic, never got the fullness of what it required to to get them. But no, what's been happening in the last few weeks, whether it be in Ketia, whether it be Willian, whether it be Hector Bellerin, you know, I'm picking Arsenal players here, but it's unanimous around the whole world. You know, Alex Scott, Karen Carney, you know, you know, let's look at it. Karen Carney, you know, isn't the best pundit out there. In fact, she's not very good. But neither's Jermaine Genus, neither's Michael Owen, neither's Danny Murphy, in my opinion. But that doesn't worthy them to be abused. Alex Scott is probably one of the best pundits out there. Now, her sex is nothing to do with the quality of her punditry. The same as Karen Carney's, you know. Adam Shearer and Ian Wright are phenomenal pundits, as is Roy Keane. Their sex is nothing to do with the quality of their punditry. Neither is Michael Owens, etc., etc., and Jermaine Genesis. It's not. So we must not judge the people. Please, by all means, have an opinion and say, I don't agree with you. I actually think you're not very good. We're allowed to say that. I am allowed to say that Willian is not very good at the moment because... There is proof there that he is. I am not allowed to abuse him because of his race. You know, the warrant of free speech and opinion it hasn't been taken away from anyone. But you don't have to do it in a derogatory way where it offends someone's size, colour, looks, clothes, sex. You know, it doesn't need to be done in that manner. You know, it can. You, you, you are well within your right to say, another bad game, in my opinion, for William. I just don't understand why Arteta continues to pick him. There's nothing outrageous about that whatsoever, and that wouldn't get caught by any compliance nets left in the social media um, holes trying to pick up words that would probably, you know, seem distasteful. You're absolutely right. I mean, I tweeted last week, 
free speech, free speech is a wonderful thing, but its essence is that it should be have no cost to listen to as it has no cost to speak. You know, that's what free speech is. It should be free. People won't like what somebody says, but they shouldn't be hurt by what somebody says, you know? And I think it's wrong. It must stop because people will take their own lives because of it. And that's just, it's just not fucking, it's just not fair, you know? Life should be a bit nicer at the moment. It's been a hard time for everyone. Just be kind and be nice. Stop doing it. Me, social media companies, stop it happening. Make people register themselves. Make everybody have a blue tick. You know, you must go through a registration process to get to the stage of using this platform. I would do it. You know, you would do it. Everyone would do it. And if you want to give someone a higher ranking because they're celebrity, give them a gold tick, you know, but make sure everybody's verified. It's the least you can do. Because if I'm having somebody call me a name, I want to know who's calling me a name so I can listen to them and argue with them and debate with them. Not because I'm getting tormented behind some sort of avatar. And by the way, you know, I'm, I'm quite thick skinned. Or at least that's what I tell my dietitian. <laughs> But, but no, it's just not fair and right. And we must stop this now because someone's going to someone's going to die and it's going to blow us away. So this week's fuck of the week goes out to all of you. Anyone that stands behind a profile that is fake and throws abuse at somebody that is human and real. How dare you? You must stop. You fuck. Indeed. So, Benfica, Benfica, Benfica. A home leg and a away leg, both away from home. Obviously, we played them last Thursday. Drew one all in less than fantastic circumstances. And we are due to pay them this Thursday in what can only be described as, well, we've said this several times this season, a must-win game. Hopefully, hopefully they don't Benfuck us. Benfuck us, indeed. Well, it started so well. We cut them apart like a fine cheese, and then Aubameyang misses a sitter. I mean, it was harder to it was harder to miss that than to score it. Uh, it had an element of a lot of things about it, which I think have been a. It was actually the perfect game to see when you paper over cracks, cracks reappear really quickly. Because it had an element of walls about it where we bashed them up, but we didn't convert our chances. And then we got punished subsequently. And, you know, arguably we should have been home and dry in that game. 2-1, 3-1, 4-1 wouldn't have flattered the score based on the dominance in the early parts of the game. Absolutely. But unfortunately... Xhaka continued to play well. I thought Ceballos showed something in parties... um, party missing out which I thought was very good for him uh, because that would have been a notable miss defensively we had flaws again on the right hand side Erdegaard started to show um, a little more promise but looked a little bit lost at times he was good at times I thought he was he was really good at moments and you know him and Saka looked well together you know I I did think there was some good link up player but with them that was pleasing yeah, no, you know, it, it, there were some link-up plays, but then I, I thought that it got sloppy as the game went on, and then we actually wasted a, a hell of a lot of possession in the final third. We did. I mean, we controlled that game 
but we never did anything with our control. It was, it, 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 you know, and that's the problem. It reminded me of last year when we got beat by Olympiakos. And it's for, I just think it's going to come back to haunt us, you know, only scoring one, one away goal, which means we're one all. You know, if they score twice on Thursday night, it means we've got to score three goals. Well, even if they score once, you've got to score twice. Well, no, we can we can score one and go to penalties, etc. But if they score twice, we have to win outright. Whereas at least with one all both ways, we could go to extra time and penalties where we obviously would have a chance of the away goal not being counted once it gets to penalties. But no, absolutely, James. You know, we controlled it, but we didn't assert control. Penalty, they scored. They got given... Uh, no real complaints about the hat, you know, for the first time in a few weeks. You know, VAR could look at that several times. It was a penalty. Schoolboy error, really, wasn't it, from ESR? It was a schoolboy error. It was, you know, it was. It showed a lack of maturity and... Experience. Yeah. And and it, it, was, just, it, it, was, it was just poor, you know. But then it was a very, very good response by um, some really good play by Cedric and Saka responding straight after. It was a good goal, that. I enjoyed that goal. No, it was a good goal. Yeah, it was a it was a, it was a really well worked goal. But you know, it's 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 still it, it was it was poor, and we we were poor. I don't really know what else to say, Bob. I think I said to you, I had a bit of a conversation with you the other the other evening, and I said to you, I, I think we've been poor for a long time actually, and we've and the results have helped us paper over the cracks. But we haven't been convincing really in well. In for nine for ninety minutes for a long time. I think the last the last time we actually were probably ninety uh, all ninety of the minutes convincing would have been the game versus uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, we were good then. We were you know even against Newcastle and beat beat them. That was in the snow. They just had a managerial change, <laughs> and and they are proper candidates to go down. So you know. Allardyce at that point had inherited a team that he hadn't really had long enough to work with, so it was a bit of a it was a it was a bit of a freebie. You know, ninety minutes against Benfica, we talk about territorial dominance, but we only had seven shots on goal, two on target. We only had a solitary shot on target against Man City. All of a sudden, we're back to the numbers that Arteta brought to us pre-Chelsea, when everyone, well, certainly you and I had said that um, definitely was in that one, yeah. Yeah, you and I, but certainly said that Chelsea arguably is is the make or break game for him. You know, he shouldn't he shouldn't really keep his job beyond that point. He'd have been in the job properly for you know a whole year at that point. And yeah, you know, I just I'm I'm honestly I'm this this coming Thursday is so significant to Arsenal's season. Now it's what it is literally that situation again. Shit or bust. Yeah, this our Arsenal season finishes in February if they don't go through this tie on Thursday evening. And that that is such a fall from grace from where like I always say to you, fans were so desperate to remove Wenger and I I don't deny that maybe he needed his time away from the club. But we targeted the wrong entity to get aggressive with in my opinion because the same people were still leading the football club. And it's still free-falling. From Wenger's worst season, oh my fucking God, if you offered Mikel Arteta 63 points today in the Premier League, he would chew off a fucking herd of hyenas for it. I mean... No, you're absolutely right. 
and and that game and that's one of the things that really pissed me off about last Thursday's game was the the negativity the lack of the lack of impetus we've put into that game we 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 should have left it out there we should have battered them to make this Thursday an easier game it was negativity 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 yes it was fantastic to see Karen Tierney back on the pitch you know, and I think normally bringing on a player of his stature to replace Cedric on the right could be seen as an attacking substitution. However, he's been out for weeks, you know, asking and hoping for him to change the game was, was, was going out a bit on a limb because the bloke's match fitness would be far from it. You know, then he's made substitutions with Pepe and Martinelli on for Smith Rowe and Bamiang. You know, again, what do we think about those substitutions, James? This is my biggest issue with Arteta. He does, he, I cannot evidence a situation in any games under his control where we have changed the formation or the personnel on the pitch to be more attacking bias than the one that kicks off the game. And that is outrageous, in my opinion. I, I just... It, 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 it honestly baffles me. He took far too long to make changes in that game. And the personnel changes were like for likes. It wasn't like... We've got 20 minutes here. It's a neutral ground with no fans. It's not like you're playing away in Portugal under the sun with 50,000 Portuguese breathing down your neck. It's a neutral... It is a neutral ground, just the same way as this coming Thursday is going to be. It's just that the... Arsenal will be before Benfica um, in um, in the score monogram at the top of the game. So... Good word, monogram, by the way, there, James. Fantastic word. You've been, have you been eating thesauruses? I know. I've had a couple of good weeks, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, you have. So you know, I mean, like, so you know, the point. The point is, though, is that I've said this to you on a number of occasions, and I think he got lucky pre-Chelsea because people definitely judge him. By the way, Chelsea was the linchpin to the new Arteta regime. Pre that period where we were up against the wall, either losing or drawing games, players got sent off. And then he, he had an excuse to to batten down the hatchet a bit. But you get no prizes for second. And I, I do want to roll City a little bit into Benfica because it continued at Man City. And he set the team up at Man City to not, to not lose badly. But, it was, but I think he set the team up to lose the game. And I was appalled at the output from... The- I, I, th- I think we can give Man City a lot more time. But one of the things with that game, with his substitutions, uh, and, and it really bugged me, this substitution of all, you know? Look, I can, I can gloss over whether I like uh, Aubameyang and Smith-Rowe going off of Pepe and Martinelli. I can move on from that. That was on 77 minutes. You can understand fresh legs and things like that. Fresh, fast legs as well. But the substitutions on the 90th minute of Willian and El Nene for Ceballos and Odegaard, I just don't understand of it. You know, when we are needing to get a goal and change a game, positivity is the essential requirement and once again, he's played a super negative card. Point number one, what's a 90th minute substitution going to achieve other than waste time? Point number two, El Nene is a defensive midfielder. He's a winning 2-1, you know, we're winning 2-1 kind of substitution to bring on in the 90th minute to waste time and to firm up the midfield. Point three, Willian, was it just to get him appearance money because it's a, a draw? Because he offered a zero. 
But every single player we could have brought on in the 90th minute would have probably offered us zero because of the timing. You know, you've got Ninketia and Lacazette on the bench. If you're bringing them on... 84 minutes, 85 minutes. There's time for them to influence the game. Time for us to attack and score a goal. A second goal, an away goal, winning that 2-1 or even drawing 2-2. That's an important part. Getting that second away goal was absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. And it's what burnt us last year in Olympiacos. It's exactly what burnt us last year. And it is going to... How can I explain it? Fist us again this year. Arteta, that is not how you manage a game. You have made bad substitutions now for very, very long times. And it's not just that you brought Willian on. Forget that. If you'd have brought Willian on in 78 minutes or 81 minutes and you give him a chance to change the game, then maybe you can debate me that. But bring him on the 90th minute when he can't change the game if you bring him in the bloody first minute. It's pointless. It's pointless to bring on players that cannot offer anything. And that's what bugs me about Arteta. You know, it bugs me so much. We're playing in Benfica. Uh, so we're playing Benfica as the home team this week in Greece, in Athens, at the home of Olympiakos. It's exactly the place where our demise this time last year started. And he's just going back to square one. It's almost like he's ignorant. He doesn't understand. He's so stubborn and ignorant. He doesn't learn from his mistakes. And that's annoying because, as you rightly said, James, we destroyed Wenger, you know, as a fan base. Wenger out brigade you know, was so huge and vocal year after year. Yet, in Arteta we trust, perhaps. I don't know about this. You know, he talked this week in his uh, pre-game press conference before the Benfica game about Olympiacos. I thought it was cruel the way we got knocked out of the competition, he said. The tie was in our hands and we scored a goal. But then we just conceded in the last minute of extra time. Yeah, but once you do concede, you're fucked. That is just such a naive comment to make. You know, it's like it's it's like the bank manager of the Bank of England saying, I thought it was really cruel that the robbers targeted our vault. It just so happened that we had the door open on the day they came. So all of your life savings is now gone. But, you know, it was just really unfortunate because it happened at 11.59 and we normally lock the, lock the vault at midnight. What the fuck? I mean, honestly, what utter nonsense. It's a results-driven business that deals in facts alone. No fiction, no cruelty, nothing. You can win the game, draw the game, or lose it. The opposition scored more goals than you in the tie. You got knocked out, and they went forward. End of story. Absolutely. I mean, if you look back, I think Arteta's press conferences, both post- and pre-matches, this season have really started to grate on me. You know, I've been listening and uh, reading the Wenger book. You know, we talked about earlier on about the press conferences that the government are giving and how they're going about it. His press conference, he, he just comes out and says utter bollocks, baffling stuff about mathematics and crosses. And if my auntie are bollocks, she'd be my uncle. And it's a lot of waffle you know, do you know who the leak the mole is in the dressing room? Yes, I think I do. You can't say that even if you do. It's rule 101 of press conferences. You know, the Arsene Wenger famous line, I didn't see the decision. That's what you say. You know, Wenger's pressers, managers gone by, the Klops, 
the Mourinho's. They are masters of the press conference. Arteta is martyrs of bollocks. We are going to Benfica this week and it is beyond a must-win game, James. It is season or bust, you know, ending a, ending a season that began in October or late September, ending a season that began then at the end of February, total demise, nothing left to play for, may as well pack up and go home and go on your holiday till next year, is absolutely scandalous for a team that is Arsenal. We are Arsenal fucking football club. We are the Arsenal. The invincible, the invincibles. And anything other than going through the tie will mean that he is categorically fuck of the week next week. He has to, not only does he have to get through the tie, he has to win there. You know, it's a beyond, it is literally, he must play a stronger side, James. No ifs, no buts. Party's back in training you know, back in full training today. Do you know what? He fucking plays. I don't care if he's back in full training. He is better than anybody else. I think they're probably already... If he's trained, though, they're probably already in Rome, Bob. I mean, you know, the kickoff's less than 24 hours away, so... Yeah, I mean, what they're going to be doing is... uh, In Greece... Oh, boy, they're Rome last week. It's Greece this week. Oh, right. Sorry. So what they're going to do is they're going to do exactly the same as what uh, they did last week. They're going to be out there now training... And then they're going to stay on uh, Friday and train. And then they're going to come back Friday evening like they did last week. That's a bit sensible. But he's got to play stronger side. I don't give a fuck. He's got to play the strongest tactics. He's got to go for the win. He's got to put everything out there. He has to try and, you know, if he loses 2-0 or if he loses 4-3, but he's gone out there and given it everything, then he's, you know... I've wrote it in our notes here, James. Leicester on Sunday must not be a consideration in his little head. He must take off the action man hair that he loves to wear and just think, I have 90 minutes in front of me. If I do not perform for that 90 minutes, everything's done. Leave everything out on the pitch. Blood, sweat, tears. Set fire to the tears, Arsenal. Play proper football. Smash Benfica off the park. Give us something positive to talk about and go on and win. It's so important, James. But he's just not going to do it, is he? It doesn't appear so. I mean, I've had an issue with him now for for a little while because this does actually move us into to Man City and it does. I held I held issue with with everything that happened on on the weekend with the City game I thought it was I thought it was appalling I mean honestly and and it was it was actually everything that Arsenal have tried to do in years gone by by fooling its fan base that people think that we're closer and pundits and fans completely took the bait you know oh they were never not in the game we were we, we weren't in the game and City shut down they never got out of first gear never Got out of first game. Just because Guardiola acknowledged Arteta's Arsenal pre and post match, people think that he's had a hard graft. That that is what you talk about uh, when you're talking about journ- journalist management. What Guardiola did because he didn't he didn't uh, the retrospective heart rates of the teams around. You know they never neither side never got above a hundred beats per minute. You know it was it was so it was just meandering around the field. It was a benign football match, and I've said it to the. It almost looked like one of those games that, like, 
got caught for match fixing. It was like the, the yeah. Hansi Cronier's walking around with a leather jacket somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you know what, James? Sometimes to watch a football match, I've got to go for a few bits, haven't I? I've, you know, I've got to, I've got to ask the the lovely lady at home. I've got to maybe offer things in uh, recompense for for taking up the TV for an afternoon watching football. It doesn't always fall for my luck. So there I am, Man City. I've offered her. In response, I said, do you know what, love? I'll do your feet tonight. I get the foot spar out, give them a nice soak, tutor them all up and all that. That's what that pile of shit cost me. That benign bollocks cost me doing that. And I don't mind. I love it. Bits. But... You know, I could have I could have sacked that off and watched something else. You you do stink of someone who owns a foot spa as well. I mean, oh, I love I love a foot spa, but you know, it's a really good foot spa as well. I, I get it to up to about forty two degrees, which is quite hot because I feel it has to be really hot around the feet. But anyway, we're not going to bore people with my foot spa fetishes. But you know, it was good to see Pepe back in the team, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, but but then I don't. I, I didn't know what it had done to him having him missing from the team for two and a half games when he was probably one our most informed attacker at the point where he he was taken out of the team, which was a bit of a head scratcher. That's a good point. That's a good point. They're taken out of the team. The you know, you and I both said about Pepe. Someone needs to put their arm around him for a period of time. That period had started, he was four games into it and probably averaged a contribution a game, if not a, a game and every game and a half. So, you know, statistically was exactly where you need someone to be in his position, if not better. And then all of a sudden ousted, like, no, take 10 days on the art, like, you know, go and, go and get splinters for 10 days. Well, hold on. He's done exactly the same thing with Lacazette. And now all of a sudden he's ostracised Smith Rowe to the left wing, you know. And that brings you back to the point. So, yes, it was good to see him in the team, but the way he was going to set up against Man City, bearing in mind it's sandwiched his two biggest games of the year, it felt like a reserve game for Pepe. And then he's been getting something out of the left-hand side. Tierney comes back into the side, so he's probably, like, licking his lips. And then Saka goes left side and Pepe goes right. And Pepe, you know, before the game, all the pundits were talking about Saka's return from since he has made the right wing position his own. And then against the yeah. best team in the country, he changes the wingers around. Uh, you know, Aubameyang went fucking missing. It was, uh, that was absolutely, uh, from someone who recently scored a hat-trick, his form against Benfica was atrocious and he shouldn't, and, and, and it's, inexplainable how he didn't score that opportunity because if it, if it was a fine save you let it off but it missed the target by half a metre it was so that is like bowling a wide off the square so that's not great and his contribution against Manchester City was absolutely immiscible and the fact to put more light upon that is that he is the captain of the Association Football Club just makes it diabolical completely un- completely you know, it, it's it's completely and utterly disrespectful to his employer to 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 give that little in the game. The rest of the starting lineup I took umbrage with. He continues to persevere with Bellerin. He is in dreadful form, like you know, a continuation of the bad form that he's had for previously. But then he's had a spark of forty-five minutes or a moment in the game, or beating a keeper near post where he gets through a game. But he was poor against Benfica, and he was utterly woeful against Manchester City, as was Rob Holding, who's been poor now. I think we're calling it new contract syndrome. 
We are. You know, so, yeah, not a lot Leno could do. Um, you know, he's pretty solid by the, by the goal that he got literally fuck all support with from his two defenders. To, to allow for a six foot two inch centre back and, and a right back with 250 plus top echelon um, appearances, to allow a five foot six, five foot seven winger to get in between the both of you and out jump you with a free header seven yards out is sackable, in my opinion. I mean, that is absolutely gross misconduct. In the second minute of the match, James, as well. It's you know, appalling. No, it's a, just a dreadful thing. You know, we've now conceded early goals. Southampton in the Cup, Villa in the League, City. And the, the, the game just dies because the opposition, though, we've scored here. This is brilliant. It's brilliant. Just shut up shop. They won't beat us. But you, you know, when... I, I hate to use Wenger, but he's kind of the only pillar that you can you know, do comparisons against because he managed the club for 20 plus years. And when he went down in games, you you used to see the frustration in his teams because teams would park two banks of four on the edge of their own box and he would have all the creative players just trying to find the holes. And then if he found one and got the game back to one all, he often went on and won the games because the teams were like, shit, we better try and get something out of the game. We We'd banked on this two banks of four working and us nicking it one nil. Now it's one all. We'll step up five yards. And then all of a sudden, he had all the pace in his team always to get in behind and get in and go again. Or if you if you want to associate with another manager that managed Arsenal for a while, George Graham. George Graham would never have that village defending whatsoever in his team. Uh, I mean, there was a moment in the second half, Smith Rowe had come on and City were attacking. And the nearest bloke to the attacking winger on the Arsenal right-hand side, the City left, was, was Smith Rowe, the number 10 at that point, running back. Bellerin is languishing on the halfway line, some probably 25 yards away from the ball. He's the right fucking fullback, you know? Holding's out of position at that moment. I think David Luiz is... is David Luiz, sorry, sorry, apologies, Rob Holding. Rob Holding had gone off for being concussed. David Luiz is in great position where he should be, but it's almost like, Luiz, everyone's in the right position and it was Smith Rowe that got the defence in. You know, by that time, Bellerin had, you know, he planted a tree on the way back or what have you. He had a fucking tofu sandwich. And then, it's just, you know, Bellerin is not good enough to play for Arsenal Football Club at this moment in time. Him and Willian in my opinion, are the stories of our season of stubborn, ignorant, foolish management. You know, I, I don't take any more umbrage of El Nene. We've established he's not good enough. We understand what job he portrays to the team. He has got a unique set of skills, you know, and administered in the right way. He has to have creative people play all around him. Like El Nene's someone you play in a free with two creative players. He gets away with it with Party because Party is such a box-to-box natural player, but he has the ability to move the ball in both directions through the, through, through the air and along the carpet. So he can play next to him, plus a number 10 who can move the ball, whether it's at feet or whether it's passing the ball. So Elneny could function with those players, but... He he will sneak deeper and deeper and deeper and play on the toes of a centre back, El Nenny. So when you're chasing games or you're downing games, he he's he's not the person to have on the pitch. You would you need to replace him early. 
And, yeah. you know, it's the same thing that fucked me off with the left-back situation. We lost Kolasinac in the first moment of the window. We went down to a Sterling header two minutes into the game. There was, again, no changes whatsoever in structure to try and take the game to them. And they just, sat, they just sat off five yards, and that was Arsenal pressing them. But we never worked Edison. We had a solitary shot on target in 90 minutes, which is outrageous. It's so appalling that that, you know, that, that, is, that is dreadful. And yeah. he never used, used his substitutes to his advantage, ended up with five attacking players on. What the fuck do you care about the result? Why are you so worried about not losing 2-3-4? Because with all due respect, wake up. The fans don't give a fuck. Like, the fans want to see fight desire, and if you'd gone and got one all out of that game, having five attacking players on the bench, you would have had heaps of praise put on you. But the way in which you manage the game, actually, yeah, the fan base is starting to work you out, that you are actually the most negative-minded manager in, the, in, you know, in, in, in England. He's scared to lose. You know, it, he, it, the match was made to look like we had a chance. And we'd had, in fact, zero, not a single chance we had in that match to win it, you know. And you're right, James, if we risk a little bit more, we could get something from that game. We could get big 3-0. You know, the first half hour, City were battering us all over the shop. I thought I was the Sunday beef. But no, James, just Wenger lost 8-2 to United once. United battered him off the park. He scored two goals. We lost eight two, but he scored two. Yeah, but no one, no one really remembers the game. Like you know, it's just you just get bantered about it. But he beat Spurs five two. You know, like he he never looks like scoring five goals in a game. We got because when he because he had he had his opportunity against West Brom and other teams to you know to to shred teams apart, and he and he and he doesn't and he didn't take them. That's why he doesn't. He's scared. He's scared of this loss. You know, so you, you've said it to me and there's, there's something you, you're, you're quite good at spotting this about how Bellerin has retired Pepe in that match. He's made him non-existent to the football. You know, and that, that, people will obviously give Pepe a lot of stick for his inability and the lack of uh, productivity and positivity in that game. But it's all down to Bellerin, isn't it? But he never switched them over. You know, he didn't move him to the other side. I was just looking at the subs again. You know, Erdegaard and Pepe in the 73rd minute for Lacazette and Smith-Rowe. Like-for-like substitutions at 1-0 down in that game. And then 86 minutes, he, he you know, ooh, he threatens the jugular, which was Elneny for Ceballos, which, you know, it gives Ceballos all of four minutes to try and add uh, some fresh impetus to the midfield, by, by which time City have got utter control of managing the game. Uh, Dia, Ruben Dias got man of the match, which I, I think was a bit harsh on every other player on the pitch because Ruben Dias was just he was lauding it. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't stretch a leg, did he? So... Well, I don't James. even know. If, I don't even know if Aubameyang had ten touches in the game. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, the City City flattered us with that result, didn't they? It was a flattering result, one 0 No, it was. It was. It was. It was appalling, Bob. Honestly, it, yeah. And and it didn't. 
it didn't actually bode well for, you know, if you were Benfica and you were the team and you were in the team hotel watching that game on TV, you'd be rubbing your hands together thinking, we've got this lot in four days, we'll have them. Yeah, yeah, you would do as well. Absolutely. And I would be thinking that. So obviously you've been reported in the press today and yesterday of PSG uh, rekindling their interest in Hector Bellerin. And apparently there's rumours of Bellerin suggesting that he wants to leave. Uh, what do you think about that? Would you sell him? Yes. I would in a heartbeat, old Bean. How much... What's his value? What What would you... What's the best deal for us? Because obviously I saw someone tweet earlier on that there was a rumour of a swap for Draxler. Yeah, which uh, I, I replied to, which makes no fucking sense. It's bad journalism. Draxler's out of contract in June, so why would you swap a player that I think probably had an 18 to... 22, 25 million ticket value for someone that we could actually get on a pre-contract now. Exactly, my point. It's a very good point. So, uh, would you sell him for just cash money or is there players out there that you try and tempt back the other way? Well, I don't know what they're going to do with Erdegaard. You know, we haven't seen enough of him. He's been okay so far. He's, he's probably played like someone that costs 3 million euros for half a season. So, you know, total value. So he, he looks like a 15 to 20 million euro player who's on two and a half million euros a year as an as a salary. That's the kind of... I haven't seen anything more of him to suggest that he's more than that. But if you've got him, you don't need Draxler as well. No, that's absolutely true. I know we need central midfielders and we need centre-backs and we need right-backs. And I thought we were going to do a deal with PSG in the summer for Kazawa, their left-back, which would look like it was almost done and dusted. And then that fell through for €5 million Euros and he's pretty much played every game for them since. Yeah. I mean, I, I try and sell him for just cash, personally. It, it, it's got to be cash because it looks like we've got to fund our own transfers again. So they've got to try and sell everyone they possibly can. There's no one in this squad, honestly, other than the homegrown players that, are, that, in my opinion, isn't isn't for sale. Yeah, he is a homegrown player, actually, Bellerin. Now, obviously, there's lots of players being uh, touted about replacing him. Max Ahrens, the guy from Norwich. What do you? Would you have him? Yeah, no, no. He he is a um, he's a really promising talent. He, he you know he could probably step up into. Um, into the next level of football, he would he would certainly add some dynamism. He, he's he's equal to Bellerin, if not more so, of an athlete than him. Again, I also feel there's some negoti- negotiables there with some of our players that we've currently got out on loan or, or got in the squad. Players like Reese Nelson and things like that. And obviously, <sighs> Tarek Lamptey, the brilliant guy down at uh, Brighton. Is in fine form and and he looks good and I I would I would have him he he would be right up my alley as an Arsenal right back he looked good when he played against us bright bubbly uh, young lad yeah and he's homegrown which is important as is Max yeah Max I mean Tarek Lamptey's a proper proper talent he looks to have all the attributes you need to be uh, an operator in the modern game he looks very very astute on the football as well. You know, fullbacks are proper footballers now. You know, they're expected to be able to provide a lot in the final third, as well as um, um, honour their defensive duty. So you need. Absolutely. Someone... I mean, I mean, if you look at what Kieran Tierney's given us as a left back, yeah, versus previous incarnations. Yeah, his ex-boss resigning today. Uh, yeah, Neil Lennon resigned this morning, which was very uh, not a shock, but you know, out of the blue. Well. 
he he feels he does come across like a bit of a bad sportsman, Neil Lennon. And obviously, Rangers are all but assured to win the title, aren't they? I think so. They are. Which is a fantastic feat for our mate Stevie G, to be fair. So yeah, uh, and obviously, last two players on the list. Sorry, back to Bellerin. Uh, I'll see if I can pronounce this correctly. Ashraf Hakimi, the Inter lad. Uh, obviously, they're hard up. Can't even afford to play his uh, sub uh, these fees at the moment. So he could be on the on the way. The former Real Madrid man. You know, we were, we've been linked with him for a few weeks now, so that would be interesting. I think they might end up okay, though, because I mean, look, if they, you know, if they if they decide obviously to to move him on, then then say Levy. But you know, I think Inter Milan are also favourites to win the Serie A now, so that's going to probably come with some financial repatriation. Um, monies for them and it's probably also going to encourage some um, pretty nice commercial deals as well so if that is the case they might be able to just do enough to hold on to him and he's a regular starter there and they're having a great season so yeah and obviously there's other players linked to Arsenal in the right back role Justin the boy James Justin from Leicester he's having a good season playing well we talked about uh, 18 points clear level game they are they are they're miles clear Bob also Actually, very interestingly, not to just dwell on you know Scottish football, but they also are invincible through 30 games as well. Wow, really? Yes, play, played 30, 126, drawn four, lost none. 473, get on this, against nine! They've conceded nine goals in 30 games. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Man. A goal difference of 64. So they've got a plus 64 goal difference. Uh, a team, I know Scottish League's obviously a lot different to the Premiership, of course. Uh, a lot harder down here. But that's Rangers, plus 64 goal difference, conceded nine. That brings us on to our new point, Mikel Arteta, case in point. I know you've got a real rant on this, James. Why is Arteta such a negative, negative coach, James? Off you go, son, long run. I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I feel like I'm just bowling some military medium, actually, off a five pacer, just trying to get to tea. But I, I don't. I don't actually know, Bob. I, I can't really work out. But I am starting to be more more of the opinion that he is the problem. You know, we looked at some numbers. We we at, like look. Wenger was struggling and. The lack of money being made available for Arsenal when they were trying to finish top of the league was notable and it was always their two players away. Then they just fell a bit deeper into the top floor and it was, oh, you're sort of two to four players away. Then it was like, you, you need a couple of players just to make sure you keep this top four thing going on. And then it was like, actually, now you need a player or two to get in the top four. And now you need five or six players to get in the top four, in my opinion. It's it's not now a couple. It's like we are light years away. We're almost we're one of fucking, yeah. you know, we're almost one of the guy from Tesla's uh, satellites away from, um, from, from where we need to be. But that's it, James. You've just nailed it. Top four. It is the most open top four race in many a season. And we are nowhere near the fucking starting grid. We are so far away from being involved in the discussion and debate of top four. And don't say we're this many points behind this team. We're fucking light years behind them. 
I mean, I mean, mate, we're yeah, we are. We, we are so far behind. And the point I make about Wenger was, you know, his last hurrah when fans were were very unhappy with him was sixty three points in the season. I mentioned it earlier. He would literally chew off a fucking zoo Arteta for sixty three points. They, we finished the season last year with fifty six points, and it was atrocious. On our current average run rate, we'll finish this. We'll finish this season with fifty-two points. I think I said that. You know, Saint James, and this is very, very interesting. That prior to Christmas, we did a few stat analysis. I think it was after thirteen games, because obviously that was when El, uh, when Emery got sacked after thirteen games. We did stat analysis on that, and I think I had Arteta coming out of 13 games there, so we are uh, 52 points, so I have we have slated Arteta then, we have continued to slate him through December, then all of a sudden the Chelsea games come, he's turned, he's weaved, he's got some p- positive results, he's got the HLM boys ruling the roost, playing some good football, yet we sit here now the 24th of February, and we are still going to average 52 points. So realistically, there has been no fucking progression whatsoever in that, James. And I think that is diabolical. I, I totally agree. It is. It is it's still free-falling. And, and it, you know, the point I was making about the two players away, two to four players away, two players away from top four and now five or six players away is that the the notion on the other side of that graph where you're thinking linear is all the other teams around you have continued to invest exponentially in their sides which means they've surpassed you you've only got to look at the teams above you now Tottenham Hotspur Aston Villa Everton we're 11 points behind fucking West Ham United 11 points I mean here we go James I've, I've actually just found it uh, this was when we recorded on the 24th of November. We're now recording on the 24th of February. And we ha- we had Arsenal. This was after nine games. Sorry, Arsenal after nine games. So after after nine games, we were looking at averaging 50.6 points after nine games. Yet the, inf- the, the quality and all of that, what we're discussing about Arteta now, He's managed to get us averaging to, to, to looking like getting two more points this season. You know, that's fucking scandalous that we were having the worst run of Arsenal Football Club's life. Yeah, and we're averaging 52 points. But we are th- we are rejoicing in Emile Smith-Rowe and Saka and the good football that they... Oh, we beat Leeds 4-2. We beat West Brom 4-0. We beat Chelsea. We've done all those results and we're still no better off. We are distinctly average. Mediocrity should not be Arsenal's past score ever in a million years. No. And, you know, you mentioned West Brom. They only have 14 points from 25 games. They're, they're, all, but, they're all but down. You know, Fulham are 18th and in the relegation zone. They've equally lost 11 games to us. Sheffield United in a terrible situation. Yes, exactly. So, you know, we're 11 points behind West Ham, 15 points behind Leicester, Bob. That is... And we are still failing dreadfully to score goals. 31 goals in 25 games is... You know, and and this whole point about people say, ah, we've got the second best defence in the league. We haven't anymore. But, you know, it. yeah, all right, it's better. 
But, you know, City have conceded 15 goals, though. You know, and they're top. So that's 11 less than we have. That's So, you know, second best defence is all like, you know, <laughs> It's not like you're in the hundred meters and you know you've, you've, you're you're missing by but you know by a gnat's dick. You know we are. You're a, you're a couple of seconds behind the guy who's just tanked it up. Look, having having the second best defense or wherever it is in the league can only be put to good use if you're going to attack. If you have, well, I have the uh, my bath never leaks but I never put water in it attitude, then you're, you're never going to, you're never going to do it. And, you know, I'd much rather us be conceding more goals. If we're scoring more, I would much rather us win every game four, two than one nil. I'm sorry. Uh, I wouldn't actually, if we won every game one nil, I'd be still fucking over the moon. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you, if you finish the season with a plus 38 goal difference, winning every game one nil, you'd have a great season. But logically, that won't ever win you the league. You know, that attitude of we will not, we will win 1-0 won't win you the league. You've got to try and batter teams in the league now because you'll get battered. Teams will score three past you. Leeds will score three past some teams. Leeds scored two against us. We're lucky we four two up, you know. Well, look, you asked me about my issues with Arteta is because some of the things that are going on are absolutely on his shoulders. Not, not being backed by the board. I absolutely, I absolutely hear you. It's that, 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 that is an Arsenal issue. They've done it but now with on, him James, and the previous three managers before that. Hold on. I, I don't reckon that even if Arteta had all the fucking money he wanted, if, if, if Kroenke come out and said, Mikel, Edu, I'm going to give you everything you want. Go out and do what you want. Here is two hanaha. Here is quarter of a billion pounds next transfer window. I have nil confidence that Edu and Arteta will spend it wisely. I have zero confidence in their ability. So Kroenke's sitting there going, let's be frank, good money off the bad. You know, Did you not think much, party was money well spent? I thought party was incredible money well spent. Yeah. I, but but that's easy because if you surround it with the other transfers... They haven't, the they haven't been given any other money to spend. Everything else has had to be some, some fucking backstreet brown envelope deal. Yeah, but they, they could have... You know. Gabrielle, do you think that was money well spent? I thought that was a good transfer. I think it could be a good transfer. Yeah, so they're they're the only two deals that they've been... Look, I'm not here just to completely make a fuck of Arteta. They are the only two deals under his management that have been done that have had any sort of investment. And I, I, I back both those transfers at the moment. I think they're both good deals. But he has been given... The point that people keep saying that our squad is average pisses me off. Like, Aubameyang's record to the start of this season was exceptional. Lacazette, people continue to knock him, but we always do the numbers, and he always comes up the right side of where the numbers are. Favourable numbers. Pepe's numbers, they're not poor for a first season in England, and the reason we paid the money we did for him was because his numbers were exceptional in France. You know, then Party was a great acquisition. He's playing people continually who are a negative influence on the team, and themselves are in bad form. 
not replacing Tierney when you lose a, not 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 replacing him but giving him some support we know Tierney's a class act on his day but he has been injury prone since we signed him he was injury prone when we bought him we bought him injured so to let Kalasanak and Maitland-Niles go in a window and not bring in support for Tierney who was injured at the time is utterly preposterous I mean it is so bad beyond the measure of people running a billion pound operation that I physically cannot I condemn them to the sword it is it is so bad to allow that to happen you just can't I, 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 I can't I can't I physically can't fathom how that's okay I can't it's not okay James it's not okay Decision around letting Martinez go and not replacing him and replacing him with some fucking schmuck who looks like, you know, the brat who looks after fucking Kim Possible on the Disney Channel. Let's just say, let's just say we got fucking incredibly lucky with that transfer in that when Leno actually did fall out of the team with his suspension, we did have Matt Ryan. Not that we won the following game because we lost at Villa, and it was only one game, and obviously a loss is a loss. But, yeah, we've got lucky there because Leno could have got injured. They had to replace Runnison after six months. That's what they've done. Or, or rather, they've not replaced Martinelli after six months. They've waited six months to replace him, which is diabolical. You know, you've wasted a million pounds on that player there. You've cancelled Matt Mace's contract. You've bought a player for a million. You know, that's two bad deals. Well, no, let Macy go is probably fair. But... Bringing Runnison in is a bad deal. The continued picking of Willian, <laughs> dreadful management. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. He was ruthless with Ozil. He should be the same with Willian. He, I don't give a fuck if he is, is Ronaldinho in training. If you can't convert it to the match day pitch, it's, 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 it's nonsense. No one won the fucking Open being a driving range. Like, um, you know, Lee, Lee, like Lee Nash should have won fucking 10 majors because he could do everything you asked on call at Sandown. Yeah. <laughs> But like, you know, but you can't fuck, you've got to convert from the driving range to the course. And if, I don't give a shit if, he, if he's the bee's knees at London Colney. Again, I bring back to this point. He has only one contribution, like post the Fulham game on the opening day of the season. It's fucking February. So it's immiscible. You don't get picked. It's at the expense of Gabriel Martinelli, who we had to re-sign on an additional contract because he was a 40, 50 million pound target of Real Madrid after we signed him for 6 million give credit where credit's due to Edu because that's his connections who've brought him in and then you you know Martinelli's come back from injury months ago now everyone was fucking I said to you at the time the pressure on this boy is outrageous everyone on Twitter he's nearly back he's nearly back our saviour's here our saviour's here he's hardly been fucking picked bad man management that. it's appalling management he's literally he hasn't played 90 minutes total since he's come it's back not get, it's not getting a sniff of Gunnosaurus's jockstrap and that's not you know it's it's fucking bollocks James that no that is we, that, that, that 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 and then he's in charge of that we've heard that he now is Edu's boss but he gets a massive he was in, he was he was promoted to manager so he is now equally as um responsible for poor transfer windows ins and outs so I hold him Absolutely attuned for that, as long as as well as Edu. 
and everything to do with the team on match days is on him. His continual usage of substitutions at the wrong times with the wrong people is costing us points weekly. His continual picking of William Elneny, it absolutely baffles me. His choice to pick Bellerin over Cedric. Cedric's been better at left-back than Bellerin's been at right-back. Tierney's back fit, he drops Cedric. It makes no fucking sense. Holding's playing badly. Why have you dropped Gabriel post-COVID? Why has Mary not come back sooner? Why is Louise... When Louise went over to the right-hand side with Gabriel, we look good. Drops in, brings Holding back in at City, makes a fucking mistake. Like... A dreadful mistake as well at that. You know, City game, we just said it earlier in the analysis, Moussaka from right wing over to left wing after having a string of great games there. Moves Pepe to, to back to right wing, has to play in front of Bellerin. The two of them actually haven't clicked. Like I said, the statistics where he has played in front of a different fullback uh, other than Bellerin, like Pepe's numbers are like ludicrous um, in front of a different fullback. So, you know, the number nine... He, People want to see Aubameyang play nine and he scored a hat-trick from there against Leeds, but he was gifted the hat-trick. You know, it was free. It was, it was bad. It was bad goalkeeping. And it was, and, and the third goal was a very in, um, instinctive finish to be fair, but it was a cross shot, which just caught everyone out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's everything he's done. You know, he prioritized the FA Cup. Sorry, he prioritized the league and lost calls in the league over the FA Cup that we were the holders of. You know, and he got us knocked out of that, which was a main, which was a root. We were caught by the fucking drug that is Arsenal football clubs, thinking that, oh, he's doing this because he's pushing for the top four. In reality, we, we are nowhere near the top six. There's so much daylight between the teams that we play, that, that are between us and that position. And the run of games that we have now... It's impossible to think, actually, how many points we'll take from our next host of Premier League games. We've got Leicester this Sunday. After that, we've got, well, Burnley away is actually a big game. We need to take three points from that game. Then Spurs at home. Then West Ham away, who are getting results against everyone at the moment. Then Liverpool at home, who are in dreadful form, but they probably sort themselves out for us. And the next game that you can see after that, where you're generally looking at taking points, is Sheffield United away on April the 10th. Fucking hell, two days before the pubs open, mate. But no, you're absolutely right. And it's this prioritisation of the league, getting us knocked out of a good source into Europe from the FA Cup. And now we have put every single one of our fucking eggs in the Europa League basket. But there's teams like United and, you know, dare I say it, Spurs, let alone the other league teams from around the, around the world, around Europe planning it. You know, we're not in any sort of form to be considered winning that, but we just have to win that now to get any sort of European football next year. I said this on one of our very early pods. Arsenal's best chance of Europe is the Europa League. I think I said to you, we we will qualify for the Champions League next year because that's the only way we're getting into Europe. And I have to say, that's exactly what it's going to be, James. It's shit or bust with the Europa League and it could have been better. Because it could have been better with a lack of, with a change of tactics earlier on in the season. You know, what he's done by Smith Rowe and all of that, he could have done fucking early November. You know, after getting thumped by Villa 3 0 at home on November the 8th, he could have made a tweak for the following week. That rhymed, I know. He could have done that then. And that's, that's, that's six weeks or whatever it was. Yeah, it's about six weeks before the Chelsea game. But you've got, you know, still in the Europa League, you've still got Spurs. 
Still got Villarreal. Got PSV, Man United, Ajax, Rangers, Leicester, Real Sociedad, Roma. I mean, you've just said Man United and Leicester, and I think both teams would beat us comfortably out of that. And that's just two teams that are close by. You know? Yeah, and, and Na- oh, Napoli, AC Milan. I mean, you don't want to be fucking, you don't want to be playing fucking Ibrahimovic. Exactly. You know, and that's bad. You know, you posed a brilliant question on Twitter. You asked me, then you went and posed it. With Klopp under pressure at Liverpool, should Liverpool pull the trigger on him and sack him? Would you have him at Arsenal? 66% of people said we should have him. 66% said they would rather have Jurgen Klopp than Mikel Arteta. That's it. What on earth are the other 34% of people doing? You know, honestly, uh, we bearing in mind we've already subjected Twitter people to fucks of the week. I, I, I have no clue what those people eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But that's it. It you know, baffles and me. That, I would have Jurgen Klopp tomorrow. I asked my good friend Azza. He said, "In a heartbeat, you would be in a heartbeat. I would be in a." I mean, obviously, you've got to back him with the money. But I think if you had someone like Klopp him and you backed him with the money, and I think Kroenke would back him with the money as well, I, I think you'd see Arsenal actually start to eat at the top table again. I, I really do. And I think quickly as well, because you rightly said, Arsenal do not have a mediocre squad. We've got some phenomenal players in that team that if used in the right way, I mean, Klopp would look at that squad and think, well, right back, gone. Uh, centre-backs, well, I need another right-footed centre-back, so I replace Louise. But on the left, I'll probably keep them too for the time being. Uh, keeper, I'm very happy with. Left-back, exceptional. Get a backup one, though, because he's prone. Party in the middle, I'll probably keep Xhaka alongside him, unless I could trade him out for some good money to get who I want. You know, he'd go through that team, and he'd turn it around. And it... it you know, you'll probably be looking at Arsenal beating teams and playing brilliant football and we'll be dancing in the streets of Arsenal again, you know, like we always wanted to do. I mean, um, you um, you need cardinal changes in the management and of, of the football club. Now, I, I, if, I, if I get the guy's name right, I believe his name is Aliko Dengoti, who is the African billionaire who has voiced his opinion on wanting to own Arsenal in the past. And I am... Um, understand that a couple of years ago he said that he would be in a position to mount his um, charge to take over the football club. He might feel that with the pandemic and COVID and Arsenal's current status that he can get a bit of a chip on the deal and maybe the Cronkies would get out But because uh, the club have obviously lost money with um, with not having yeah. fans in the ground. But that, that the, the ownership needs to change. The the regime that runs the football club needs to be considerably more ruthless. And unfortunately now, if you had a gun to my head and, and I had to choose whether he retained his job or not, and it was for the sake of my family's life, I would I would I would probably remove Arteta at this point. The 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 last week has been the real tipping point for me. I was really, really, really unflattered by the first leg of the Benfica game and the Man the Man City game was Sent you over the edge. Yeah, it, it really did. I, it, I mean, I'm, I must admit, James, you've said your family there. I'd, I'd fucking do it if they had a gun to my fucking goldfish's head, to be fair. <laughs> you know, let alone my family. You know, you probably Arsene Wenger in the Invincible season say yes to that. But no. But that's interesting, James, because, you know, we've said that we would have Klopp. 
moves us on to another point. What the fuck is going on? What on earth's going on in the league? You've got Liverpool free-falling. Literally, game after game, losing. They didn't lose at home for like about 38 bloody years. Now they're losing game after game, getting beat by Brighton. Getting beat, they're just getting beaten all the time. They're in terrible form. Do you see them getting rid of Klopp? Well, it'd be really interesting to understand what, um, you know, how ruthless JJ Henry is. He's an operator. He is an operator. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, you know, it was such a Cinderella story for Liverpool finally winning a league title. You know, Klopp's won a Champions League and a league title in his reign at Liverpool. When he, when he took over them, they were, they, they were fairly mediocre. So, he, you know, he had one season, didn't he, where he was sixth or seventh or eighth, I think, and then he's think never finished outside the top four. Half, yeah. um, he's won it, he's signed, finished, signed se- finished second with 97 points, which is outrageous. So he's brought success to them, you know, so pff, I, I don't know. It's, it is a really, it's actually a really bizarre season. I've only really focused on Arsenal because I'm, you know me, I, I like numbers and people are fucking with my algorithms because of the, the, the results that Arsenal are producing and in the way in which they're producing them that I'm somewhat not even down with the kids with other football results because I just can't work out this equation. But Well, you've got Liverpool free-falling. The other absolute what-the-fuck moment West Ham in fourth, clear of fifth by two points, clear of Arsenal by 11 points. They are playing unbelievably well and they are looking like they're going to qualify for the Champions League. You know, we're not, you know, there's obviously a good number of time to go. You know, with, with all due respect and, 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 and kudos to, to David Moyes, that bar, bar Declan Rice, who seems to be you know, really the prodigal son of England who's going to play an integral role, no doubt, in the, um, in, in the international championships this coming, um, this coming June. Some might say he's the prodigal son of Ireland, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, without, and with the utmost respect to West Ham, without having any other real high-profile names, I just can't think of one. There's, there's not, you know, uh, I mean, you probably say that after Declan Rice, West Ham's next most high prof, high profile name is uh, Trevor Brooking, and he doesn't even play for him anymore. Well, you know, uh, they're using Carroll. Mikel Antonio has been has been a, a shining light for them, but he's not really a number nine. But he's Lingard's gone on loan and playing some fine, fine form. Yeah, Ling, Ling, oh, well, Lingard took twenty four days to surpass to surpass the goal contributions or double the goal contributions Willian's given Arsenal in eight months. So, um, no. but Lingard has gone there and, and been in sublime form. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, but the, the guy, Suchek, they bought in midfield, looks like a fine player as well. He's scoring goals from midfield for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> other than that, you know, Fabianski, an old Arsenal keeper, doing a, doing a proper sterling job. Aaron Cresswell, I think, is having a pretty good season. But I like Aaron Cresswell. I think he's a decent left back. Yeah, I do as well. I, I would. Um, but they're playing great football and they're, they're winning games. And and the thing is, they're winning games. They're no, but they're beating you know, proper opposition now. They're not just. They've not just beaten all the teams below them, which is one way of doing it. Last exactly. And and they took they took a point in the Spurs game in the um you know taking four points out of Spurs because obviously Lanzini scored that wonder goal in the last minute of injury time. I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, know, mate, so that, look, I've got I've got West Ham in the family and a very good pal of mine. Um, 
is West Ham. And likewise, obviously, your family and, and um, our, you know, um, uh, our famous Marky. This, so. this, week, this weekend, obviously, uh, this weekend, for the, it's the anniversary of my brother's first ever surgery. He's been in fourteen years. First, yeah. yeah, first 14 years since he had his first brain surgery. I remember it, and yeah. Yeah, I know you do. I remember but, swearing at him, actually, when he was doing it, because I was like, you complete fuck. I just started the, one of the biggest jobs of my life. I, I, it was three days after, the, you know, they yeah. found his tumour, and um, I had to take compassionate leave um, straight away to to come and support that situation, which obviously... It was madness. Yeah, it was. But, it was uh, you know, go back to West Ham then. That, that, this the point, I don't want to dwell on that. It's not really good listening for anyone and I don't really want to talk too much about it yet. But, uh, but Alan Kerbishley that year actually came and saw my brother in hospital. Yeah. He drove down from the League Managers Association dinner uh, and actually came and visited my brother in hospital. And I remember it wasn't that year, it was the year after, actually, that season, because that was the season when West Ham were looking like they were going to go down and Tevez, et cetera, got them that miraculous. Yes, yeah. and Mascarano. Uh, really yeah, and they stayed up. And it was the following season, Kerbishley came and visited my brother. So that would have been the... But I must, um, I, must, I must say that West Ham have been used a little bit in history as a as a club <laughs> with where people have kind of goaded them a little bit in the kind of football factory ilk and... You know, to have um, you know uh, fans that prefer violence to football and such alike, and wh- wh- whether that's true, I don't know enough about that. But just in regards to Mark's situation, without delving too deep into it, they've been a class act actually throughout his whole time in. Um, oh, mate, you know, with, mate. with getting him into games, with sending things out, with hospital visits, with acknowledgement of your dad's seventieth birthday. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, a, a truly classy football mean- club. There's been there's pictures of my brother. My brother's met David Gold, but David Gold came and spoke to him at a match. Uh, he actually went to a match with Adi Apatan, you know, the the wheelchair basketball athlete, West Ham fan. He went to the match with him. Uh, when I got married, I asked West. I wrote to West Ham. This was at the beginning of last season. They got beat five one or five nil by Man City. I emailed West Ham on the Saturday during the game. On the Monday, lovely young lady called Georgia replied to me saying. We'll get a shirt signed by club captain Mark Noble, if that's all right. I'm like, wow, thank you so much. Beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, it was a wedding present for him because he was the best man. About a week and a half before they sent it to me, uh, she goes, I'm really sorry. I didn't get Mark Noble to sign it. I've got the whole first team squad instead. You know, and it's just like, they don't have to do that, a football club. And then, and then I emailed the same lady, lovely Georgia, about a letter to signify my dad's 70th birthday, signed by Declan Rice. You know, I think... I mean, Arsenal do it as well. Don't get me wrong. I've just approached them. Uh, in fact, I got a letter from Unai Emery for my wedding. <laughs> Did you really? It was the best signing. It was the best signing he made. <laughs> good evening, Bob. No, no, have a good evening. Yeah, yeah, good. So, yes, indeed. So, you know, one quick question after the cop one: Would you have Moyes at Arsenal? No. <laughs> well, that's it. So. I wouldn't have Moyes at Arsenal even those days. So we got Leicester on Sunday, the 28th. Early kickoff again. You know, I think we should be going all guns blazing for Benfica. So we have to beat Benfica. I don't really care what he does in the league. Honestly, I, I would hold more respect for him if he looks like he uses the league for the next 13 games to trial and error players in positions where he's trying to build for next season. But that would need or need to cater for a manager that goes completely 360 in his style of management and actually plays in quite a 
you know, an expansive style of football who's trying new things and he's happy to invite teams on. Honestly, I give zero fucks if we finish 14th or if we finish 7th. Like, um, the league the league is done. We can't get to um, uh, where we need to get to now. Leicester are a fine side. They're 15 points clear of us. They've got many, many players that I would love at Arsenal. And, you know, this, this coming Sunday is... Well, you know... The Benfica game, I don't even know what the team is. You know, if I run through it, I want to see the strongest possible eleven. So, in my personal opinion, that at the moment would be Leno in goal, Cedric at right back, Louise at right centre back, Mary at left centre back, Tierney at left back. Just let him start, and if he can only play a half, but Party and Xhaka, then it would be Saka, Smith Rowe, Pepe, Lacazette. That that I believe that. That front four in that little period looked like they played the best football at the top of the pitch. And Lacazette is a cup final-esque player. He has the work rate to create something from nothing. I don't actually think Aubameyang has that in the nine. He's a more clinical finisher, but... I cannot disagree with that lineup. And if I had that team to pick from, I would play those exact same players, James, against Benfica. Uh, you need that sort of thing. It's yeah, I'm I'm totally in agreement with that. And I remember Mourinho. I remember Mourinho won the uh, Europa League with United and got them a Champions League as a result of it. He put all of his eggs in that Europa League basket and basically put his fingers up at the league. And I need and want Arteta to do that. We must go all out if we get beat by Man United in the quarterfinal, 3-2 on aggregate after giving it our all, then we get knocked out and we go, okay, then never mind. But if we go out on away goals against Benfica Thursday evening, then I will be upset. I will be angered and I will hold Arteta responsible. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, you know, football's football, mate. We can all live and die another day. Let's do some predictions then, Bob, to wrap up. Let's just do both games. What are you predicting for Benfica? Gun to my head, gun to the goldfish's head. Arsenal will, I have to say, Arsenal will win 2-1 against Benfica Thursday evening. I have to say they'll do that. Yeah, I've got 2-1. And if we beat Benfica... Who will score? Saka will score. And I'll tell you, Arsenal's goal scorers, Arsenal's goal scorers will be Saka and Louise. <laughs> nice. I like that. Uh, I think 2-1 as well. And just because I really want him to bounce back, because it will show really good mental strength, I, I, I'm going to say more of an emotional one that Pepe will score. Oh, I, well, we win. I don't care. But yeah, I agree. I'd like him to score. Uh, and against Leicester, uh, Leicester's an interesting one. I think if we beat Benfica, I think we can get a result against Leicester. I think we could sneak a 2-1 win there. I think if we get beat... Actually, what am I fucking talking about? I'm talking bollocks. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. We will get beat by Leicester 1-0 because they will score in the first three minutes and that'll be it. Yeah, Vardy's fit, so... That, that he is, scores always against Arsenal. Yeah, we, and I, I just don't see... I'm back to the point where I don't see Arsenal scoring two goals in league games again. So I actually think that that game will finish 1-0. Oh. And I think Aubameyang will score in that game. So, Oh, very good, very good. Well, it's been a wonderful, enchanting discussion with you again this week, James. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't quite call it wonderful and enchanting. I'm just, it's a very fed up kind of, feels like a bit of a Groundhog Day kind of thing. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> I don't actually see light at the end of Arsenal's tunnel in their current regime. Something drastic has to change. And, you know, it has to change quick, but, you know, Thursday's integral... There are a couple of things that can change it. A manager change, an ownership change, a Europa a Europa League win, an emergence of talent from, I don't know, from a fucking bus stop in North London. I, 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 honestly, I honestly don't know, Bob. But um, nonetheless, we support the club, we don't support the people, and, um, you know, we fight on. We do indeed. And on that solemn, yeah, authoritative terms... I think we finished for the week, haven't we, James? I think we have. So we wish you all well. We hope to be uh, celebrating Europa League success, moving into the 16, and hopefully um, Arteta can salvage something from this shitstorm. Yes, indeed. Stay safe, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye.